So do you ever feel confused about something? I mean, ever just have these moments of confusion? You're not, not exactly sure, you know, what's going on. I saw a story about a college student that was walking across campus and they had a hoodie on and it had a big, huge K on the hoodie, but, but that K had nothing to do with the name of the college. And so a friend of his came up, he's like, hey dude, what, what's up with your hoodie? What's that K about? He's like, man, I'm wearing this because I'm confused. He said, Bo, he said, confused doesn't start with a K. See, man, you have no idea how confused I am. We all have moments of confusion, right? From the White House to the State House to the Church House to your house to to every other house in between. At the very least right now, there is some confusion in the world. So what do we do with that confusion? Well, I thought what we would do for a few moments is look at something that's not confusing. (laughs) Something that that doesn't require a lot of energy and effort. Something that that we can get pretty quickly. And what is this non-confusing thing? Well, it's something that's very, very helpful for your vocation. Not your vacation, but your vocation. Although, truthfully, this is really good for your vacation, too. So what is this non-confusing thing? Well, we continue our series, Doors, where we have been looking at some of the most defining doors that we face in life. And today, our sermon is vocational doors. And we'll be looking in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Paul is going to give us in this letter something that's not hard to understand, and yet something that will have immediate and lasting impact on your family and your friends and your job and this community and our church and the country. It's it's that simple, non-confusing, but it has that much impact and that much power. So what is this truth? Paul writing to the church at Colossae in chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything In the name of the Lord Jesus. That's not confusing. That that doesn't require a a detailed Greek word study. That's that's something that a, a toddler can understand. It's one of the simplest and clearest statements in all of the Bible. And it's the kind of statement that quickly moves us to be able to answer another question. And that question is simply this. Do people see Jesus in you? Do people see that you're a a follower of Jesus? The people who are around you normally, do they see that your aim, your purpose is to follow after Jesus? Is it clear to them that, that there is something about the person of Jesus Christ that impacts how you think and how you act and how you speak? Is it clear that you follow Jesus? None of us are perfect. But is that aim, is that purpose there? Let's let's break this down just for a little bit so we can think through it. Paul writes this, whatever you do. Another way of saying that is whatever you're doing. The very last instruction that Jesus gave his friends was what he said in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, in one sense, what this means is, since you're going anyway, make disciples. 
In other words, since you're going to the mall and since you're going to the grocery store and since you're going to work and since you're going to school and, and since you're going all these different places to, to tailgate, to the, to the work day on Saturday at the church, wherever it is that you're going, since you're going anyway, take the name of Jesus with you. Since you're going anyway, create relationships and conversations that help people find Jesus. But in another sense, go therefore means that some places you're not naturally going to be going, right? I mean, none of us naturally this afternoon are going to get on a plane and go to northern Pakistan, right? We're not naturally going to get on a plane this afternoon and, and fly to Guatemala. Or, or naturally, we may not go to the women's shelter or the rescue mission or, or to the inner city. So there's some places that we may not naturally go. And for those times, we need something to move us from the natural excuse me, the natural going to the supernatural going. And that something is actually a someone, and that someone is Jesus. In other words, there's no way that we would have an inkling of a desire to make disciples. In other words, there would be no desire inside of us to talk about Jesus, to speak about Jesus, to help people find Jesus if we are not first saved. But part of what it means to be saved, part of what it means to be right with God, is that there is this billboard across the eyelids of our hearts and our minds. And that billboard simply says, whatever you do, whatever you do. It's the call sign of who we are. It's the call sign of, of how we live. But does that mean what it sounds like it means? Anything, everything, is, is that the picture here? Paul helps us in the next part. Do whatever in word or deed that's kind of anything and everything right whatever you say whatever you do this is this is all encompassing and that includes your vocation now what is a vocation well a vocation is your job it's it's what you do so what kind of jobs are out there well there's a lot of jobs out there right you could be a teacher you could be a, a doctor you could be a lawyer you could be a, a welder you could be a fireman you could be a a police officer, a construction worker, you could be a game warden, uh, you could be a pastor, you could be a, a politician, you could be the person that names paint colors. I mean, that's a great job, right? I want that. That just sounds fun. Or your vocation could be that you're a retiree, or that you're a student, or that you're a stay-at-home mom. See, to have a vocation doesn't mean that, that there's an office and there's a salary and, and there's a work schedule. To have a vocation just means that, that you work. So you may not have the office and the salary and the work schedule, but none of us have the option of not working. From the first man and woman to, to the messages consistently throughout the Bible, we have been called to work. We've been called to, to have a vocation. And all of us can have a vocation. Even if you can't do hard labor, even if you can't take on a job at a, at a business or a government agency, even if you have mental hindrances or physical hindrances, all of us can have a vocation. Every single one of us can have a vocation. I know a retired person whose vocation is sending cards to people every day. I met someone in an assisted living center this week that their vocation is knitting for homeless people, for babies, and for other people that she can serve. I know someone that has physical challenges that can do very little, but their vocation is consistently and deeply 
all day praying for others. All of us can have a vocation. All of us have been called to work. Abigail Dodds is a a wife, a mom of five kids, and a a seminary graduate. She wrote an article a few years ago about a, a woman's call to work. And she does a great job of breaking down all the different categories that you would would find uh, when it comes to a woman's call to work. Here's just some of the categories. The single mom who must earn an income. The single woman without kids. The married stay-at-home mom of little kids. The mom with a part-time job. The wife whose husband is facing unemployment. The wife whose husband is facing disability the empty nester wife and mom, and I would even add to that, the widow. And and what she did is in each one of these categories, she just gave a a little bit of advice, just some brief descriptions of of how those would function in terms of of work and vocation. But, But then she said something that is so good for any of us, no matter what our vocation is. This is what she writes. Sometimes our circumstances aren't ideal. Often, They are not ideal. This isn't heaven. What are you most aggravated in life right now? What aggravates you the most right now? What's that situation? Who's that person that aggravates you the most right now? What is it in your life right now that's the most stressful thing? What is that thing that's that's overwhelming your heart and mind? almost all day long what is that thing that you're mad about right now or that you're sad about what is the most difficult hair pulling out situation you're facing at work what's what's the most frustrating thing about your job this isn't heaven but this is not supposed to be ideal everything in in life is is not supposed to be comfortable This isn't heaven, and this will never be heaven. No matter how much money we save, no matter how much we recycle or compost, no matter how much we learn, no matter how much school we get, no matter what we do in life, no matter how much we exercise or how much we lobby for our favorite political candidate, this isn't heaven. Nothing here will ever be the ideal. And that is okay it's okay it really really is listen keep serving keep working keep loving keep recycling keep composting keep weeding keep keep doing whatever it is that you do keep living with all the life that you have because even though this isn't heaven you are not an accident And you are not an accident in this time. This is my time, and this is your time. We are not accidentally here. So what should we be doing with our time? Why should we be living out our lives right now? Here's why. Because even though this isn't heaven, as Christians, we have this insatiable, exciting, delightful reality that heaven is in our future that it's real now but it's really real later and even though this isn't heaven we're living in a sense of the anticipation of heaven and more than that we actually get to help people find 
heaven. Find what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Listen, it is a great time to be alive. Praise God for 2022. Praise God for July 2020. Praise God for July 24th. Praise God for everything we hate in the world right now. Praise God for all the things that frustrate us. Praise God for whatever it is that we wish were different. Praise God we're alive. And we're not just alive like, hey, I woke up this morning, I'm breathing, because that's not best, right? In Christ, gain is eternity. Not here. Here's not best. But we, we are here, right? We're alive today, so it is the best time to be alive. And if you're a Christian, it is a great time to be alive because you know Jesus, because you are in Christ. It's great. It is wonderful. And even beyond that, guess what else? It's a great time to be alive because you and I can help people find Jesus. What a thrill. God, let me, let me go spend $150 of gas in my car so that I can drive somewhere and be alive today to tell somebody about Jesus. That's a different way to look at the pump, right? <laughs> it's a great time to be alive. It's, it's a great time to know Jesus. Listen, your vacation and your vocation were not intended to be heaven on earth, okay? They, they weren't. All of us have had a job that we didn't like. Okay? Even if it was just for an hour. You know, we, we've all had something that we didn't like. And, and just because we didn't like it doesn't change the billboard across the eyelids of our hearts and minds, right? As believers, we still have the, hey, whatever you do, whatever you do. Abigail goes on to say this. We seek to faithfully live the actual life God has given us, not the one we hope for or we wish we had. We take the principles God himself has given us for work and we apply them to the real life in front of us. Not the ideal, not the fantasy, but the actual life God has given us. This church will never be what you want it to be. You know what? It'll never be what I want it to be. Because we're just selfish, sinful people, and there's always something else we'll want. There's always something else we'll want to be different. We'll want something old. We'll want something new. It'll never be. This is not the ideal. This world is not the ideal. So here's what we do. We say, oh my goodness, I exist. God fearfully and wonderfully made me. And today I'm alive. Where are we going today, God? Let me be honest. I don't wake up that way every morning, all right? I mean, let's just be honest, you know? I mean, I ain't waking up, hey, God, where are we going today? You know, sometimes I wake up, God, I ain't going nowhere today, all right? I'm just staying right here. Somebody else can handle it all. We all have those days, right? But, but what a beautiful thing that God has given us this life. So it's not the ideal, but we take what God has given us and we say, okay, here's this life. I'm gonna do life with this life. There's no perfect job. But there's a perfect God, and our perfect God has called us with this unbelievably easy, non-confusing message. Whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you do. 
So what should our words and deeds look like? Well, Paul was writing to the church at Galatia, and he was basically just kind of giving them a kind of a resume of Christianity. Here's the things you should look for. Now, none of us are perfect. We're not always going to get everything right. But generally speaking, when it comes to, hey, here's what it means to be a Christian, Paul says, all right, here's a pretty good list to run with, okay? And he called it the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And this is his list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not confusing right? I mean, I I don't have to do a a deep Greek word study to understand those words. Those are basic, easy to understand words. Those are the categories of the principles that God has called us to use in our vocations. So those things we patch in our lunch, pack in our lunchbox before we go to school, we we slide it in our backpack before we go to college, We, we scan those things in our brain as we're scanning our card at the office. Those are the things that we put on the refrigerator when we're reaching for the bottles for the baby. Those are the things that we take with us into evaluations and sales trainings and staff meetings and, and whether we're you know, putting up new pickets on a fence or, or painting a house or, or you know, building a building or whatever it is that we do in life. We take these things with us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the the parts of life that should be seen in someone who is following after Jesus Christ. Not perfectly, but they're there. Now, someone might say this, yeah, those, those words are cute, but you don't know my boss. Or, you don't know what I have to do to provide for my family. Love, joy, peace, pay... I can't use that stuff to provide for my family. I can't use that stuff to protect my family. I can't use those words to to fight for my rights in this world. You can't. How about this? Jesus Christ stood up to the sin of the entire universe. And Jesus defeated death and hell, and sin, and evil. And Jesus fought for the eternal salvation of anyone and everyone who would surrender their life to him. And Jesus is protecting every person's eternal salvation that is yielded to him so that no power of hell and no scheme of man could ever possibly pluck that person from the hand of God and Jesus did all of it because of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. Jesus did all of it with the words that we say that doesn't work in today's world. Jesus saved the world with those words. And not only that, he's still using those words. Jesus is holding the universe together. It feels like it's all falling apart, right? But Jesus is still holding the universe together with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the words that Jesus is using. Now, let me just tell you, you spend about 43 seconds on social media or political media 
or sports media or sadly even religious media and you're not going to hear much about the fruit of the spirit okay in other words what most of us are downloading all day long is the opposite of the message of the fruit of the spirit so it's no wonder that the world is unraveling because we are not even focused on the simplest things that God created for his world to function the way it should. We don't have these things in our mind. In fact, if you listen to so much of what we listen to all day long, the message is the opposite. It's a whole different kind of fruit. It's more like this, self-centeredness, not love. Frustration, not joy. Arguing, not peace. Impatience, not patience. Rudeness, not not kindness. Arrogance, not goodness. Dishonesty, not faithfulness. Harshness, not gentleness. Carefreeness, do whatever you want. You're your own person, not self-control. The fruit of the world will always take us away from what will satisfy us the most. But why should we waste our time? Why should we boldly stand up in this world and say, I'm going to live with the fruit of the Spirit? I don't care if it doesn't sound macho. I don't care if it doesn't get me a lot of likes on social media. I'm going to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Why should we boldly live that way? Paul tells us, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. We should do things in such a way that it looks like the kind of thing that Jesus would do. Our words and deeds should should look kind of like the words and deeds of Jesus. Again, I know we're not perfect. We got it, okay? But, but you know, as the old phrase, you know, they're they're no earthly good because they're so heavenly minded. Guess what? Ain't none of us really, you know, can be accused of that, all right? So, So it's okay. We're not perfect. But what are we pursuing we've been called to pursue this we we don't have it all together but we should be in the ballpark have you seen that tagline on the the newer commercials from one of our our local car dealers that goes like this if it has our name on it you have our word on it it's a good line you know so christian do you have the name of jesus on you you know is is it there is, is it around your life? Is it, is it your aim? Is it your purpose? We're all going to have our days. We're all going to have our moments. But, but part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ is that those days and those moments where everything falls apart and we kind of look and sound like we're not very Christian, those should happen like every three or four months, not every three or four hours. And part of what it means to follow Jesus is not that we become perfect, but, but we begin to start thinking, wait a minute, I... I've been saved. I've been rescued. I've been redeemed. Maybe, maybe I need to think different. You know, maybe, maybe in the past you had a problem with, with temper. Maybe you have a, a problem with being a bully. Maybe you got a problem with, with gossip. Maybe you got a problem with laziness. Maybe you got a problem with being a workaholic. Maybe you got a problem with handling money or time. And, and, and it's not that we won't always struggle with certain things in life, but at some point in time, if we are going to be a Christian, we don't get to say, well, that's just how I am. No, we don't get to say that. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. So that means this is who you are. You 
are a child of the greatest king of the greatest kingdom. That's, that's who you are. So if you're a child of the king, what we should be doing is whatever we can to, to move our minds toward trying to be more like the king. More like the one who rescued us. More like the one who saved us. Our, our words and our deeds, they have to be the kind of thing that we are filtering through the truth of what's happened to us. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. So I need to look at my words and deeds in such a way that we would say, hey, right now in this moment, you know, my milkshake is wrong at Sonic, is what I want to say back to the lady, something that Jesus would say, you know? I know that's super practical, but come on, we've all been there, right? Can I, can I say this? Can I do this? Can I think this? Can I play this? Can I watch this? Can I, you know, anything, whatever activity, can I do this in such a way that, that it would bring attention to the name of Jesus? Again, I'm not talking about being whitewashed legalistic tombs, you know, that just we're constantly following this impossible list of rules. That's not what we're saying. We're just kind of saying, is the general attitude of our life, hey, am I trying to bring attention to Jesus? Is the fame in the name of Jesus something that, that is not just a passing thing, but, but because of what he's done for me, I, I'm driven to want to do that. And why should we want to do it? Paul gives us a motivation, verse 17. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Being thankful, I'm telling you, it'll... It'll conquer some worlds. <laughs> Having a thankful attitude will conquer almost anything that we're facing in life. I mean, I, I know I keep going back to the gas pump, but I mean, serious. You know, uh, years ago, one of our leaders at our church said, isn't it amazing? I may have shared this with you before. Sorry if I'm repeating myself. He goes, isn't it amazing when you consider all the different places that our gas comes from before it gets in our car? How have we not been spending $10 a gallon for years? How is it that we've ever paid less for a gallon of gas than we do for a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, right? There's some truth to that, you know. But the reality is, is that there is a sense of thankfulness. Hey, gosh, that thing is climbing higher and higher. Man, that is so much money. But hey, I got a car. You know, I'm, I'm on my way to work or I'm on my way to get ice cream. You know, whatever it is. The ability to be thankful, it... It will crush almost anything that's happening in your life. But if you're a Christian, th this is a whole nother conversation. We're, we're not just casually throwing out that everybody in the world should just be more thankful. No, as a Christian, why should we be thankful? This is what Paul told the church at Colossae. For Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom, his kingdom. This is what Jesus has done. We've been rescued from darkness. We've been transferred into light. That should make us thankful. That should make us thankful. That should change our attitude about everything that's happening in life. Whatever's going on that you're waiting to walk into this week. I got a few things I got to walk into this week. So I'm preaching to myself here. I got to walk into those meetings and walk into those conversations. And somewhere in my mind, I got to be preaching, Dow, you've been rescued from the domain of darkness. This is a thing. <laughs> you've been rescued from the domain of darkness. You've been transferred 
into everlasting light. That means that your status has changed. In what way? We just said it a moment ago, right? If you're a Christian, you are a child of the king. You're a child of the king. The one great king of the one great kingdom. So it doesn't matter what your status is at work or at school or at home or on social media. If you are a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And and nothing can change that. Jesus right now is using love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control to make sure that nothing changes, that you are a child of God. And that matters with your job. It, it matters with your vocation. Let me sneak Abigail back into our conversation here. Abigail Dodd said this, our work is not about us. Just let that kind of just sink in just for a second. Our work is not about us. It's not about us making a name for ourselves. It's not about us getting a promotion. It's not about us having everything that you can have in life. There's nothing evil or wrong about any of that stuff. But if we're a believer, everything in life is defined by this. Jesus loved you. Jesus gave himself up for you. That means if you're going to be making a name for anybody, you're going to be trying to make a name for him. You're going to be trying to to do things in such a way that, that there is some attention drawn to him. And when you look at your job, when you look at what's happening, you're, you're going to work hard. You're going to be diligent. You're going to be considerate of the people that you work with. And, and you're going to do those things simply because you want to be sure that there is a way, an opportunity for you to draw attention to your king, the one who gave himself up for you. You aren't just going to be trying to work for the weekend. You aren't going to just to be doing enough work so that people will think you're doing your job. No, this is going to be a, a picture where you're preaching and you're welding and you're lawyering and you're doctoring and you're nursing and you're paving and you're doing whatever you can with all that you can so that people will have the opportunity to perhaps, because of your life, because of your words and your deeds, catch a glimpse and hear the truth of the one true great that's lofty and it's supposed to be that sounds like an impossible thing to do and it's supposed to sound impossible that sounds too weighty for you know your job if you're just the you know the cashier at a gas station but i'm gonna tell you what i can tell you some cashiers at gas stations that have changed my entire day because of their kindness sometimes don't ever underestimate where you are and what you are doing and how God can use you. Christian, you're a child of the king. Who knows what God might do through your life? Abigail goes on to say this, far better than making a name for ourselves. God's written our names in his book, not because we have a great job, but because we're his children we're his children you may have lost parents and grandparents and and that may have been a deeply difficult thing on you because you know you you were you were their favorite maybe you're god's favorite all of us are 
at the same time. It's, it's amazing. You're a child of the king. So go to work and work hard and do whatever your vocation may be, whether you're retired or young and in an office, it doesn't matter. Whatever your vocation is, if you're a Christian, go work hard because you're a child of the king. Go do a good job because you're a child of the king. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, through him, because of God the Father. That is not confusing. Thank you.